The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One moment, a business is on top of its game, profitable and well-respected. In the next moment, it could be the victim of a major fraud with potentially catastrophic consequences. Financial losses, damaged reputation, diminished stakeholder value, scrutiny, even bankruptcy. These stories are all too common in today's business headlines. While some organizations recover, others don't make it. How do you minimize the risk of fraud and avoid the devastation? Welcome to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Our goal is to prevent your organization from becoming one of the statistics. Now, here is Chris Marquet. Welcome, welcome, and good morning, Fraud Talkers. I am your host, Chris Marquet, on the Voice America Network. Today, we have another great show for you with my special guest, Tom Adjami. He's an attorney extraordinaire, a fraud expert, and an author. And uh, we'll bring in uh, Tom in a few minutes. Uh, so, But let's not forget the mantra. At any time in any organization, there's always somebody who's up to no good. And that means uh, that we've got fraud all around us, uh, sapping the lifeblood out of organizations and individuals throughout the United States like leeches. <clears throat> We're here to try to tamp it down, minimize, squelch it, uh, otherwise uh, t- put it down and, and try to educate folks so that uh, people aren't uh, so uh, so drawn in, to, uh, whether it's an investment fraud scheme or uh, they're an owner of a small business and they get uh, they get fleeced by their bookkeeper. Uh, we're hope- hopefully uh, here to help. Um, I am the author of uh, the annual Marquet Report on Embezzlement, as well as the Marquet Report on Ponzi Schemes, both of which you can download on the Marquet International website. Uh, that's Marquet International, one word, dot com, M-A-R-Q-U-E-T. Uh, we keep gathering data for the next installment of the Embezzlement Report, and frankly, I'm uh, continually shocked by how much fraud is going on out there week after week, uh, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month, uh, just here in the United States alone. Uh, and this past week, uh, we cattle, you know, we had a more of a normal week uh, of employee theft type cases, uh, unlike last week, which set a record for us uh, over the past month or two. Uh, this week, we cataloged about 20 major embezzlement cases. That, those are cases where more than a hundred grand was stolen by an employee. Uh, and those totaled nearly $11 million in losses to those to those 20 different organizations. Uh, again, this is really just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of stuff that's under the surface that doesn't get, uh, that doesn't, uh, you know, become realized, uh, doesn't make it into the press, doesn't get prosecuted, and uh, sadly, that's, uh, that's really where the, the big dollars are. So, um, this week, today, the fraud uh, talk call-in number, 866-472-5790 uh, is the number if you'd like to come in and join the discussion today. Um, <clears throat> you can also find us on the major social media, including Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Use, uh, use the hashtag fraud talk. 
talk one word we're at fraud talk uh, also you can follow us on our blog fraud talk which is on blogspot uh, or contact me directly chris at marquee international.com it's m-a-r-q-u-e-t international all one word.com if you have a question a comment or a suggested fraud of the week uh, and speaking of which this week's fraud of the week is in honor of our guest today uh, tom Ajami, who's an expert in the area of uh, financial fraud and investment fraud schemes uh, it involves a pennsylvania man who's accused of bilking his clients out of at least one million dollars and uh, here from the uh, the wilkes-barre uh, times leader last week uh, <clears throat> i'll tell you about uh, this fellow a, a hazel township investment counselor who allegedly bilked about one million dollars from his clients didn't show up for court on tuesday because of medical emergency according to a federal official joseph s Hyduck, h-y-d-u-k has been charged with federal wire fraud and tax evasion charges according to a federal information that was filed last month in the u.s district court in eastern pennsylvania uh, the information alleged that Hyduck improperly diverted funds from clients to himself uh, between august 2010 and november 2013 while operating the bna financial services which is a small business that provided investment advice and insurance how classic is that uh, <clears throat> the majority of the diverted funds were from clients who intended the money to be rolled over into different investments but Hydeck allegedly instructed them to make their checks payable to BNA Financial instead of the new investment company and he then simply deposited the money into his own accounts allegedly using it for his own personal benefit he also failed to pay over $145,000 in income taxes between 2010 and 2012 calendar years folks this is where a lot of uh, the feds get you is on that uh, is on the uh, tax fraud situation uh, so they'll get you one way or the other uh, Heidek's uh, original um, in arraignment uh, he was scheduled to appear on August 27th which was continued today and he didn't show up allegedly because of a quote-unquote med- medical emergency so they've got him on this and they've got a forfeiture um, um, uh, charge which is going to pick up his various uh, luxury automobiles uh, <clears throat> all kinds of uh, farming equipment, cash, uh, a whole series of uh, properties that he owns, all of which he allegedly purchased uh, with the ill-gotten gains from his uh, fleeced uh, investors, sadly. Um, And people, again, this is not an uncommon case uh, where you've got a purported investment advisor entrusted with client funds, and they essentially dip into those uh, client accounts to line their own pockets and live a more lavish lifestyle than they would otherwise have. So I would like to, at this point, bring in our guest, Tom Ajami. Tom, welcome. Hey, thank you, Chris. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Not a, not at all. I want to tell the, our audience a little about a little bit about your background. Um, and uh, <clears throat> Tom is an internationally recognized trial lawyer, and he's successfully represented clients in complex commercial litigation and arbitration. Uh, <clears throat> 
Chambers USA has described Tom as a, quote, stupendous litigator with a winning attitude and work ethic. How nice is that? Uh, end quote. And he's handled a number of high-profile cases, including representing companies, pension funds, shareholders, seeking to recover losses in stock fraud cases, and corporations and officers and directors being sued in securities uh, litigation matters. He's won two of the largest awards ever handed down by an arbitration panel for investors, including a nearly $430 million award. He's also won a record $112 million RICO jury verdict. Tom is regularly invited to give legal analysis on news media outlets, including ABC, CNN, CNBC, NPR, and, and the BBC. Uh, and his work is featured in publications such as the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, American Lawyer, etc. Uh, <clears throat> Tom is also the author, uh, or I should say co-author, of the book Financial Serial Killers, Inside the World of Wall Street Money Hustlers, Swindlers, and Con Men. And his work on behalf of the investors in the Briex Gold scandal uh, way back when is featured in the book Fool's Gold, The Making of the, Go- of the Global Market Fraud, also this one by Brian Hutchinson. Uh, so, Tom, welcome. Thank you. So... We've got a lot that we can talk about today, and I want to try to get in as much as we as we can with you. Uh, you got a great background. Uh, you, uh, you, uh, as I understand, you you went to uh, undergraduate school uh, and ended up uh, getting your undergraduate degree in Europe, uh, and then law school at Notre Dame. Uh, joined the major law firm of Baker and Botts, uh, moving to Houston. Uh, now um, uh, running your own firm, Adjami LLP, uh, which you run out of New York City as well as a uh, branch in Houston. Tell, tell us a, a bit about uh, yourself, about uh, how you developed the, the law practice and the kinds of you know, clients and, and cases that you handle, how you, how you developed it. Oh, sure, Chris. Well, you know, when I, when I came out of Notre Dame and, and uh, was recruited by the big law firm of Baker Botts, it's a worldwide law firm, uh, I, I, I got kind of lucky because that was in the 80s, and so I immediately was put to work on some of the hostile takeover deals. You might remember that era of, um, of all the corporate raiders and such. And there yeah, was you, and I, you, you and I are probably either on the same side or on opposite sides on a number of those cases. When I was working for Kroll, uh, we were either working for or against T. Boone Pickens or somebody, uh, one of the corporate raiders going on back then. Well, you, you mentioned you mentioned one right there. So uh, you were right. We were on opposite sides, and we didn't even know that until just right now. Because <laughs> one, of, one of the well, – we, we did both sides. We did a lot of different work in there. But, yes, on T. Boone Pickens, we were actually his lawyers because here he was a Texas guy. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually walked into the law firm of Baker Botts as a young man saying uh, in, in, the, in the 1970s he had this idea that oil companies were pretty bloated and uh, he was going to try to pressure them to pare down and, and return some of their, uh, their money to their shareholders. So that's kind of what got him started. He, he walked into the, to the office of one of his buddies at Baker Botts and they signed him up when he was a no one. And then, as you know, he grew to be a, a very big uh, corporate player, of course, going after all the majors from um, from Unical to Phillips on down. And, yeah, you, you were probably on the other side. I didn't even know it at the time. Yeah, no, we worked against him several times um, uh, on a number of those cases, and I was down – uh, down in Texas, running around as a young pup investigator, uh, digging out all kinds of uh, information and finding people who weren't too happy with T Boone. But uh, well, uh, that's neither here nor there. You weren't investigating me too, Chris, as as one of the lawyers. <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, we you left might, you guys. You might alone. know more about my background. We we we, we, may, we, we, we may, you and I may have to sit down and talk about this. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I hope you had a, I hope you had fun in Texas. But the, the neat thing about that era, you, you'll have to agree, I'm sure, was that we got exposed to just this incredible world, right? That was that's now you know a part of uh, U.S. history and and financial history and and. Pickens, of course, got some funding from Michael Milken. Uh, you know, Ivan Bosky was involved in, in aspects. He would try to jump in on things, not working for Pickens, but he would try to ride these uh, these these stock prices as they went up. And it, it was an era, you know, it was, it was a Wall Street era. But the good thing, where I, where I was pretty lucky at least, was I, I really was exposed to all that at a young age. Came out of law school at 24, and and I pick up the Wall Street Journal, and here it was right on the front page. Something major that we were we were working on involved in, and so I was really thrown into the world of, of, of finance and corporate finance and stocks and bonds and trading and Wall Street at a very young age at I would say probably the highest level right that you could get involved in. Yeah, so, well, I mean, one of those cases going back in that time frame, which I remember, is the Briex case, and I yeah. and and I believe we uh, were instrumental. We Kroll, when I was working there, at at uh, uh, determining that there was no, there was the assays, the alleged assays on the real estate out in uh, wherever it was in Indonesia, were BS. Yeah, exactly. uh, it was a exactly. huge fraud. Yeah, exactly. No, you're you're exactly right. Frankly, that was the case that uh, one of the cases that drove me away from out of the big law firm. When I was at the big law firm, uh, the investors in Briex, and, and, and for your listeners who might not know, Briex was touted in the '90s as being the the largest gold find in world history. This was going to be it, and 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 it was written up everywhere. It was written up in in, in Business Week, New York Times, Financial Times. This was the largest gold find. It was on the island of Borneo. Talk about exotic, right? The island of Borneo out in Indonesia. And uh, it was a Canadian mining company, and the, the stock price just shot up to the moon. And there are people who literally invested $5,000 who were worth $10 million just overnight by, by what was supposed to be a big gold find. Some of the investors came to us when we were at the uh, big law firm and started having some questions, maybe a little bit of doubts about what was going on. They, 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 you know, certain uh, uh, warning signs were sort of coming out here and there. And we, um, we started to investigate it at, when I was at the big law firm. And then suddenly the whole thing was revealed as a fraud. You were you, you might have been part of that. Uh, yeah. Well, well, let's um, and we'll we'll continue on that. We're going to have to take our first break here, Tom, uh, and uh, don't want to get into that Briex case because it's a it's a, fa- a fascinating piece of history, uh, fraud history, I guess, really. Uh, so we'll be back in a couple minutes. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. 
Marquet International Professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, uh, Fraud Talkers. I am your host, Chris Marquet, and with me today is Tom Ajami of the law firm of Ajami LLP, uh, based out of New York City and Houston. And uh, Tom, welcome back. Thank you. So we were t- we got a little bit sidetracked, uh, but uh, you were telling me about your the law firm. Just let's finish that uh, the law oh, firm sure. and just, the kind uh, of clients we have. You and I were talking about that big gold mining scam, Briex. Uh, our, our law firm, uh, when I was at the big law firm, that's when we actually were uh, approached by the investors in Briggs who had some questions and uh, some concerns. They sent me to uh, Indonesia on several trips to start to snoop around, and, and I came back with some information telling them it looked suspicious that maybe this gold mine wasn't all that it was cut out to be. And lo and behold, uh, on my trip back to the United States, uh, about when I landed, we finally learned that uh, the government and a group of investigators, maybe that was you, Chris, had actually gone out to the premises at the government's request and found out the whole thing was a big scam. And the company went from being a $4 billion company to a $0 value company. And at that point, our, uh, the investors who had hired me said, wow, we, we, we've lost all of our money. What are we going to do? And we turned to them and said, you need to sue. Um, of obviously Briex, but you ought to sue some of the banks that are hyping it. And one of those banks was Lehman that was hyping Briex at the time. Mm. And I went to the, the head of the big law firm we worked for, and he said, no, we can't sue Lehman. 
because we want to be the lawyers for Lehman. We want to represent these big banks. We don't want to represent the investors. And that was a huge turnoff and, and frankly, a little disillusioning to me. And so I, I had wanted to start my own firm at some point anyway, so I just said to the fellow, adios, left the law firm and created my own and then took on those investors and sued Lehman Brothers and sued uh, the Briax and some other banks. And it was funny at the time, Chris, you know, people would say, I don't know if you remember that era, but at that po- point, people thought I was insane. You know, why would you sue Lehman Brothers? That's a very respected institution. This is blue chip. This is as, as, as good as they come. They hire out of Harvard and all yeah. that type of stuff. You know, they're working on the biggest, <laughs> the world's biggest deals. And we were seeing this crazy. And I'd try to say, well, look, look, you know, they, they had all this information, but they were still hyping the stock. They were telling people to buy it. And no one believed us. They thought we were crazy. And, and uh, I think we've been a little bit vindicated now. Uh, we all know what, what Lehman's all about and, and, and how it collapsed under its own weight and, and fraud and, um, and, and then led the whole country, frankly, into a financial downward spiral. But that was the that was the beginning. That was the first big case, and that that got us some publicity, and we had some success there. And then other people started coming to us, and and, and me, when they mm. lost money in the markets. And, and so the key the key actually for you was, uh, you had to be independent, and you couldn't do that in the in the big law firm because there are too many conflicts of interest, or too many their own conflict uh, where they wanted to represent clients, or they previously represented Lehman and other financial institutions, which you didn't have those shackles. When you when you're you know as a as a smaller boutique uh, firm as you are at Ajami LLP and that's uh, the website is what Tom? Oh, thanks. Uh, Ajami dot com. It's spelled A J A M I E. That's A J A M I E dot com. Or if you just put my name Tom Ajami into Google, you'll, you'll find see the it. website. And there's a bunch of news articles and stories and uh, court reports about our wins and all this type of thing. Um, some of our TV appearances, uh, obviously, when you put Tom Adjami into Google, show up there. But yeah, you're right. Look, the, the large law firms, uh, uh, um, they, they like to represent the banks. They want, the large law firms want to represent the large institutions. That, that they're, they're all for the status quo. So if we want to represent investors, frankly, if we want to represent anyone who wants to sue a bank, I represent, I represent pension funds. We represent um, um, other institutions. We represent corporate funds, corporations that lose money. We represent yeah. individuals that lose money. You know, if, if they need to sue a bank, like they need to sue Chase or Merrill Lynch or Goldman Sachs or Wells Fargo or Citi, uh, it, it, the, the large, large law firms just won't do it. and They have way too many conflicts, and they want to represent those folks. So when we went out, we were able to do that. One of the first big cases that came to us was against Payne Weber. And again, people thought we were crazy when you, when you said you were going to sue Payne Weber. Um, at, at that time, at least before the financial crisis, everyone thought Payne Weber was a very reputable firm. But uh, we, we came across a bunch of investors who had their money literally stolen from uh, from Payne Weber's headquarters in New York City, which which even I didn't believe could really happen. I was uh, maybe not as hadn't seen as much at, at that age as I've seen now, and and came to us showing us account statements that said they had this amount of money in their accounts. And then when we called Payne Weber, the Payne Weber said, "No, there's no money in their accounts." And, and what had happened? Long story short, was there was a, a broker in the headquarters office who was just yeah ro- broker there. Yeah, yeah, one of their financial advisors, brokers, creating fake account statements, just creating fake ones on his computer and sending them out to the customers himself. Now, how, how he got around all the compliance and procedures you're supposed to have at Payne Weber, I don't know. But maybe Payne Weber didn't have good procedures and processes. Yeah, so, uh, but he was able to bilk people, and he went to prison for six years. 
So, uh, and we, and what you're, you, I mean, that is an unusual case with a well, a large brokerage where you got the rogue trader, the rogue investment advisor within the firm, and ostensibly they've got internal controls and processes and procedures that you know would try to mitigate against this and prevent those things from happening. But more common are the cases where you've got these, uh, and you describe in the book financial serial killers, and we'll get into that. But uh, you know, you you know, the little old lady who's the victim puts you know, originally had her money in, in Warren Buffett's fund and then moves it over to some some charlatan who uh, was introduced to to her, uh, you know, supposedly to, you know, manage her money and whatnot and ends up uh, getting ripped off. Am I am I right about that? You know, well, I, I think it comes in all shapes and forms. Yeah, you're right, but it really does come in all shapes and forms. I mean, it, it happens at the big firms. It happens at the small firms. I, 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 as you said early in your introduction, there's fraud all around us, and, and I completely agree with you. You're absolutely right. It's a terrible thing to say, and people don't want to hear it. But, for, for example, when we were doing the book Financial Serial Killers, I interviewed some of the top guys at the FBI in New York City. And I've got to tell you, one of the most – I asked them, what, where, where does the fraud occur? Like you're asking, Chris. You're saying, is it the smaller guys, is it the big firms? And, and, and you know, their, their response from the FBI – well, it was to me completely depressing. Their their response was, "Well, most fraud happens from fam- among family members. You know, family members say they're going to help out one another, but most of the complaints the FBI gets is is family um, um, saying, hey, I want to help you manage your money,' or don't worry, I'll hold on to this for you.' So, you know, it happens at big firms, small firms, and according to the FBI, it happens mostly among uh, a family. And then you know, it happens a lot." Uh, and we talk about this in the book too. Uh, uh, people at church, uh, church, the affinity frauds. Yeah, yeah, what they call the affinity fraud. People of your own. You have uh, immigrants come to our country, and 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 which has made our country great. And they don't always speak perfect English, so they migrate toward their toward their group. You know, Lebanese people might migrate towards Lebanese, or or Vietnamese might go towards the Vietnamese, and so on. And then it just takes one or two of those people in that group. To be fraudsters, and they can wipe out you know a whole group, but 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 people trust those who are like them. And if you come here and you don't speak the language, you you gravitate and you sort of naturally, as a human being, trust people who speak your language, as and maybe distrust people who don't speak your language. Um, so where, where's the fraud? I, you know, I think you said it. it. It's it's all around, and I, I I've tried my best. I know you're doing it in, in a in a great way of just trying to you know, advise people, make them aware. Uh, I'm not trying to be a downer, but but it is reality, and, and once it strikes, as you know, it's it's like making a mistake and, and, and stepping into the street in front of a car. W- once it strikes, it it, it 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 can be permanent. It can disable you forever, and especially if you're older, fifty yeah. years or, or older. Wipe out, wipe out all your savings. So uh, yeah, you don't have just time to make that, it up, do you? Yeah, back up, back on your 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 comment about the the affinities. You know, you know, I like to to remind folks that you know the term con man uh, really stand, means confidence man, yeah. and and that means that presages that they have to gain your confidence in order to fleece you. Uh, so that is naturally uh, in in a situation whether it's a church group, uh, an affinity, uh, a an ethnic affinity group, uh, whether it's um, uh, a religious. Affinity, 
affinity group or some other uh, group where people have a natural affinity toward each other, there is already a, a built-in confidence in those people. And then especially what happens with some of these, you know, with the Ponzi schemers and others, uh, and I'm sure you can comment on this, is, you know, they'll get, you know, they're basically, they'll, they'll get one or two folks that they uh, they bring in as investors, they pay, start paying them off at their the high, you know, the exorbitant rate. Uh, the, that particular client then goes to others, hey, I'm getting this great return, uh, that co- builds the confidence, and all of a sudden, they're an unwitting uh, accomplice in in garnering new investors uh, who are going to be fleeced by by the Ponzi schemer or the investment fraud artist. Uh, is that is that oh, how yeah, abs- of course, absolutely, yeah, right. And as you said, they, you know, the really the, the key for the, the con man and, and and is to get the first victim, and they always go for someone credible. Then you say, then they have sort of the free advertising, so. What, what, like a Madoff did, you know, you would go join the most prestigious country clubs because everyone sort of looks up to it. Either the country clubs think all the members, they, they, they think they can trust one another, and then outsiders say, wow, that fellow belongs to, or that lady belongs to the XYZ country club, and, and so it's status. So the key is to get the, to get the well-known, established first victim. And then that first victim um, will always see good returns. Of course, there'll be false, fake returns, but they'll show statements and show returns and show show a lot of money being made from the investments. And then that poor victim is out there telling his or her buddies and friends and family members and and and, and social groups and golfing companions and tennis players, hey, this guy's good, try him, or this woman's good, try her, and um, and then sort of it, it kind of flows from there. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, the greatest affinity, obviously, is family members. So that gets back to your point that the FBI said is that, you know, it's family members, it's internecine fraud, if you will, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is pretty sad. I, I think you're right. But uh, there's an automatic affinity there. People say, oh, yeah, well, he's my brother-in-law. I trust right. him. Right, uh, right, and right, boom. right. Boom! All of a sudden, uh, they are a victim. Uh, Tom, we're gonna we're gonna take another break now, and then we'll come back. I want to get your perspectives on. Uh, I'm going to talk about the, the psychology behind these folks, and also the psychology of the victims. I want to talk about um, you know some more uh, on the profiling aspect, and I want to talk about preventive measures and warning signs that uh, people can can think about. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Thank you, everybody. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. 
Marquet International Professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. Welcome back. I am your host, Chris Marquet, and with me today is Tom Ajami, attorney extraordinaire and fraud expert. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Chris. So we've been talking about a number of items here, and uh, you were telling me offline about a case you're handling uh, out in Los Angeles. Uh, sure. Is there, what, what can you tell us about that? It's, it's interesting. It's going to flow into some of these other uh, topics we want to get into. Well, I've got to tell you, it, 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 it's a case against Wells Fargo, and it was on the front page of the New York Times. I mean the front page, right, uh, page A1 about a year ago, and, and I, I didn't think that the Times was going to put it on the front page. They decided to, and the reason they did was uh, it was in the context of the fact they said, wow, after Madoff, you would think that the system would be cleaned up, uh, government would come in and put in a lot more rules, Congress would enact, enact some new laws to, to stop this, and they were so amazed by the fact that these frauds continue to happen. You and I aren't, because we, we see this every day. But the New York Times folks were just shocked that this still happens at, at a high level, uh, despite uh, you know all the uh, Enron, WorldCom, and, and 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 every other scam out there. Alan Stanford and and all oh, that. Yeah. So yeah, so the front page story I'll tell you about it is is just simply this uh, out in Los Angeles at the Wells and a Wells Fargo branch near Beverly Hills. There, uh, a, a group of guys were, were ma- supposed to be managing people's money. And so happens that at least one of them so far who's turned himself in, um, and he's a, sitting in prison, as you and I are, are, are doing this show, 
uh, were uh, this this fellow and maybe others. That's what we're investigating. Were involved in just stealing money from client accounts. But it you know it's never it's never uh, super easy to see. It's not just pulling it out. What they were doing was this. They were buying stocks for clients in the client's accounts, and if the stocks made money, they canceled those trades and, and made it appear as if they themselves, the brokers, had made the trade. So they go buy a stock, it goes from 10 to 100. That should be the customer's profit. It was in the customer's account, but they said, hey, no, I'm going to move that over to my account, and that's going to be mine. But the losers, of course, of course, the ones that lost money, ended up staying in the customer's accounts. And so they wiped out about, you know, uh, 11 people, 12 people, as I recall now, uh, their money. I'm, 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 I'm representing a, one particular one who's, who's going after them, which is uh, important for a lot of reasons. Uh, he, he's lost money, he and his wife, and their, their accounts have lost money. But also he, as a matter of principle, is, is keeping after them. And, and thanks to his fortitude and, and, and desire to do this, we have worked with the U.S. attorney in Los Angeles, one of the uh, uh, Wells Fargo brokers is sitting in federal prison. We're investigating the others right now. We've also sued them. But once again, and by the way, this went on, this, 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 this theft, this uh, taking profitable stocks out of customers' accounts went on for two and a half years. Two and a half years. You know, and, and I could almost excuse it. Uh, I could almost excuse Wells Fargo if it happened over a week or so, thinking they they didn't catch it. But as you know, Chris, there are so many uh, uh, processes and procedures they're supposed to have in place that I'm I'm I am just very puzzled and and skeptical as to how how this got through the system. Uh, there were literally over 100 of these transactions. 100 times this was done over two and a half years. It's virtually impossible in today's world for this to happen without other people being involved. Uh, so, what was, the, what was the total estimated loss? Well, we're we're still calculating that right now, but it's well over a million. So, uh, you know, it could be three, four million dollars. It could be more. And so, um, in this case, you have a, a principal rogue trader in of himself, possibly colluding with others in in the office yeah yeah and i hate to say i i don't want to say i know you're saying kind of generically rogue i don't like to say rogue because you know once they're inside i i i like to use rogue when they're sort of outside the firm doing things but when they're inside the firm and everyone knows theft happens right when you're at a bank we, we all know uh, there's money at a bank is money and we all know and we've known throughout world history that right. when people are people around money you've got to watch them right that's why the banks are supposed to have controls and processes uh, but yeah, we've got at least one guy. Uh, we believe there are other couple of people involved. In, in fact, we're, we're almost positive of that right now, and that's what we're putting together. That there was some money exchanging hands among others inside of Wells Fargo, and they were sort of helping one another do this. But boy, it, it was really out in the open. I mean, this is not this is not um, something that shouldn't have been caught. I mean, this is they were just taking the stocks, and it's not like. The profitable stocks were taken out of the customers' accounts, and they were hiding it. They were moving it to their own accounts right there at Wells Fargo. So you have all this happening inside the company, and we're still trying to get to the bottom of it as to how in the world this could happen for over two and a half years, and supposedly no one saw it. So, so, so I mean, and this is and this is a tough thing because in, in this particular case, uh, you have you have relatively small smaller investors yeah. who may maybe their entire you know, 
net worth wrapped up or whatever they're, you know, yeah. all their retirement wrapped up into these investments and they're being fleeced out of it. So they don't necessarily have deep pockets to finance right. the litigation. I mean, do you take these cases on contingency? How does that work? Yeah, we, we, we do whatever you, and you're absolutely right. It's hard because here we are helping people. Um, and even if you have a million or two in the bank, you know, you're taking on these corporations that are worth billions, right? Right. Yeah. No, you can't, you billions, simply hundreds. can't sustain, you simply, as an individual, you simply can't sustain unless right. you're, you know, Bill Gates, uh, personal yeah, exactly. litigation like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, you're so, exactly, that's exactly right. So, so yeah, well, a lot the, of these will take on a contingency fee means if we, if we win, we'll take a percentage. If we lose, we don't get anything. So we'll, we'll, we'll shoulder the financial risk. We, we, right. we, you know, we obviously have money. We, We've won a lot of cases. We have we have cash set aside to do this. And, but some of the customers will say, "Well, well we want to pitch in, and they'll want to pay us. Uh, maybe sometimes they'll pay us you know, a lower rate, and then give us a percentage if we win. Sometimes uh, we do represent a lot of wealthy people too, who have uh, not not the money that Citibank has, or not the money that uh, Goldman Sachs has, but they have enough to to, to fight." And, and hire us. So, you know, it's all kinds of arrangement. But yeah, we've got to talk about that. We talked about sure. that at the, at the beginning. How are we as the uh, David's going to sort of take on the Goliaths, right? Right. So the book Financial Serial Killers, yeah. Inside the World of Wall Street Money, Hustlers, Swindlers, and Con Men, you go into a number of, uh, of topic areas, of key, I think, key topic areas, in addition to, to uh, you know, uh, outlining a bunch of case studies uh, in these investment, various investment fraud schemes. But one of the one of the things I think that is really important, maybe we can get into it here, is is um, you know what are, you know what are the warning signs that uh, that investors need to think about? And we're talking about investors, large and small. How, you know, how do they protect themselves? What are the warning signs that they need to to think about? Yeah, well, you know, look. Number one is number one is you, you you have to watch your money. Okay, so that sounds that sounds simple, but I think what happens in a lot of cases is is people are busy. Uh, working or they have families and other things, and they believe that by giving their money to a manager, a money manager, be it a small person or a big bank or, or, or whatever, that that sort of t- relieves them of, of the stress and burden of having to watch their money. But at the end of the day, even when you have someone managing your money, you have to watch them because no, no one cares about your money more than you care. So, so that's number one. At number two, of course, doing your research and and uh, into the p- actual people handling your money. So it's not good enough that they come at, from a big bank or or an institution, but you know, actually saying, okay, so who's what's the name of the person who's going to be managing my money, and then taking their name and doing some of your own basic research. And boy, it's a lot easier today than it used to be a long time ago when we didn't have the sure. internet. Today, today, you know, well, people come to us and say, "Gosh, I got fleeced by this fella," and they'll tell us the the, the the fellow's name, and I'll just sit there and type the name into Google, and and suddenly I come up and I see here's a lawsuit against this fellow, here's another lawsuit, uh, here's a tax lien, and it's amazing sometimes that the information was really right there. The warning signs were right there, but uh, the the investor didn't take the time to even do the most basic research into the name. If the person came recommended, they say, "Oh well, you know." My neighbor recommended or my sister recommended this. This guy, this guy, this lady must be good. So do your research. Uh, there's other do, your way, due, do your due diligence. You, you, gotta do some, you, you have to do it yourself. You just have to do some basic due diligence. 
And, and um, some of the things like, you know, there's FINRA out there, there's the SEC, correct. both of which you can go on their websites and just pull down, you know, the, the investment advisor uh, advisory uh, filings, uh, the form ADV, etc. You can look at all these things, pay uh, people, and it's, it's, it's right out there. I mean, I do it all the time for various clients, but, uh, uh, you know, if you're putting a serious amount of money and entrusting it with anybody, even if it's your brother-in-law, you might want to take a look. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Everyone, you know, yeah, your brother-in-law could be susceptible to greed. You never know. I mean, it's greed is a vice. It's out there. We all know it exists. And people get weird around money. And even people that we trust, and maybe people who start off as trustworthy can sometimes become corrupted when they're around money. And and so you got to do that. Um, simple think things. Of, like, think of Walter White and his brother-in-law, who's a DEA agent. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's 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 really true, boy. So so it's it's, it's do the basic diligence, and then it, and then it's continuing to watch. It, you you continue to watch. Um, I, there's a lot of things I, I know you've talked about on your show before. You look out for outsized returns. You know, people who are saying, especially in yep. today's environment, I, I can get you 15 percent, 20 percent. They right. might that, that might be legitimate, but those are kind of warning signs in a low interest rate environment. Those are those are hard returns to get, and even great money managers, even really reputable, stellar folks out there, are having a hard time getting eight and ten percent. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you have to you have to watch those things and and then make sure you understand how they're doing it. You, you can't just accept they're getting ten percent for you. How are they doing it? What are they investing in? Yeah, you talk in your book. You go into um, some of these various, you know, fraudulent financial instruments, if you will. You know, the old, in the old days, but way back when, and uh, uh, you know, the prime bank notes <laughs> and uh, other investment schemes. That you know, yeah. there seems to be a new one that crops up every single day. Every day, yeah. There, there, there's you know, there's partnerships. Uh, there's what what they're called private placements. Uh, they make the the the, the advisors uh, or the the people selling them to you make you sound like you're part of an elite group. Hey, we're going to do a private placement. You're going to be part of this private business. Well, you better make sure you understand the business. Uh, make sure see whether they have an independent accountant who's 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 verifying what's going on. Not they a may, phony may, accountant like a case I had once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, even in Madoff, you remember this, Chris. Um, sure. When all was said and done, here was a guy who was managing, uh, was supposed to be managing about fifty billion billion of dollars, and his accountant was a two-person shop. Yeah, and, ridiculous. And, yeah, it's just it's just really silly. So, um, there, and there was no individual audits going on. But here, here you have you know, wealthy people and not so wealthy, but others giving their money to Madoff. But you know, there were some very, very basic signs there. And once again, I don't want to blame. It's not their fault. It's never the victim's fault. These people are victims of a crime. But we're talking about warning signs, and a warning sign is someone who's supposedly reputable, managing a lot, a lot of money. Who's their accountant? I mean, is it a real accounting? firm, as an accounting firm coming in and, 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 and looking at them. Uh, you know, another thing I'd say is get advice from others who are trained. I mean, I mean like people like yourself, uh, we often hire, when people come to us and they say they're going to invest in a hedge fund, they will often themselves say, can you find out anything about the hedge fund? So we'll hire private investigators just to do some background on the hedge yeah. fund, the hedge fund managers. Uh, that's not something that we as lawyers would really specialize in. We do yeah, that. Tom, I'm going to have to cut you off, and, and, and yeah, we're going to take a break here. But yeah, I do a lot of that, uh, taking a look at uh, various hedge fund managers. But we're going to come back in a couple minutes for our final segment with uh, with Tom Adjami, and we'll be back. 
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Are you and your business well-prepared? For what, you may ask? Well, what about workplace violence, cyber attacks, or general business disasters? Listen for Fear is Negotiable, Business Survival Skills 101 with your host, Pamela Hill. We'll bring you case studies of the businesses that don't prepare and the consequences that can happen. We'll also bring you best practice strategies that can help you keep your business running smoothly. Tune in to Fear is Negotiable, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. Welcome back, Fraud Talkers. With me today is Tom Ajami, and we've been talking about uh, uh, his book, Financial Serial Killers, Inside the World of Wall Street, Money Hustlers, Swindlers, and Con Men. It's coming out in paperback, what, next month, Tom? Yes, it is. Yeah, thanks, so, Chris. And we can yeah. get it on, I assume we can get it on Amazon and Books a Million and every other good outlet? Yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It came out in hardback a few years ago, and uh, apparently they thought it sold well enough that the publishers decided we're going to put it out in paperback. But yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, financial serial killers, uh, bookstores, Amazon. It's even on Kindle, which I think is cool. And in fact, nice. we, we get it when we see our, uh, the reports on the sales. Um, more and more people just seem to be downloading their books, so it's good. Sure. And the nice thing about the book, I'll tell you what we wrote the book. We wrote the book because you know I, I love doing shows like this with you and trying to give people advice, but there's only so much you can get out um, in an hour show, which is e- even a lot of time. 
But um, so I, I wanted to do something that I thought was inexpensive for people. I, I don't know if the paperback's going to go for probably nine dollars, something like that. But that could give you really uh, the advice that if you went to a lawyer or someone else, you'd pay maybe hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars for the advice. It's all it's all in a book. And and what we're doing in the book is we tell stories of frauds and scams. But then at the end of every chapter, we we give a list of things to learn from here. Here's here you know and and here's all the tips. And I and I, I I can all all but guarantee that if you read this and really paid attention to the book and looked at it, at the the tips at every chapter, your your chances of being ripped off are almost zero. The problem is people just don't want to put the time in. I found or, or don't have the time. Uh, you know, often they're busy with families and and work and other obligations. But if 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 you are serious about protecting your savings and if you're really serious about it, you, you've got to read our book or, or some other book, something like this, or talk to people like yourself, Chris, and learn, and, and, and you can protect yourself. And, and uh, boy, there's nothing more important than, I guess, number one, your health, but number two, watching your savings, and especially as you get older. You can't afford to lose it. Uh, there's no you, time to make it up. I agree 100%. And you wrote the book with Bruce Kelly, who's a journalist, yep. financial journalist, who's also yep. written about you know, frauds and you know, the yep. Madoff case, etc. Yeah, so, well, Bruce is a very well-known financial writer. He's won numerous awards. Uh, he's, all, he's based in New York City. Uh, he's been writing about financial frauds and scams for a long, long time. And uh, Bruce was the driving force behind this. He 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 found me and 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 said we have to do this. We've got to do it for people. There's too many scams. Uh, we're going to sit down and write this, and we did. Tom, let's let's we have a four minutes to go here. Let let's talk about the psychology here. I mean, this is one of my yeah. favorite topics. Uh, you have uh, in these investment fraudsters. I, I think it's when I when I look at white collar fraud. I mean, you got a whole variety of categories, but one big category obviously is the investment fraud area. Uh, the one other category I tend to look at a lot is the you know the employee thief, um, and they're really two different characters, but there are a few overlaps, and I. Th- you know, when I see these investment frauds, first of all, 90% of them are men. Uh, secondly, they tend to be charismatic. Uh, they tend to be flamboyant in some cases. They tend to be in consummate salesmen. Uh, they are, you know, they can sell, you know, ice to an Eskimo. Uh, they, uh, they are, you know, love to live the lifestyle, and, and they do <laughs> with your money. Um, What's your your feelings about you know how and why these folks do it? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Number one is greed. I mean that that that's just it's just uh, you know we there's all kinds of um, temperaments we we have and we we all have to be careful about things like envy and jealousy and anger. But greed's one one of uh, it's, it's a human emotion. The vast majority of us uh, try to control all these things, but there are some people who just can't. So, so there's greed. There, uh, some people get a thrill. I mean, some people steal because there's a thrill. Um, uh, others, others have resentment and anger at those around them. It can be family, it can be friends. They're just they're just mad and resentful, so they steal. I see. I see. I see that kind of situation sometimes in these employee theft cases where it's the bookkeeper. Well, you know, I'm not making as much. I'm not being paid as much. I've been here for 12 years. These people really owe me, even though they've treated me like family all these years. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to steal from them, and and they owe it to me. So it's a sense of entitlement where there's you know anger and resentment. 
There, there's a lot of that, Chris. Um, you, there's been studies of this, too. Uh, some people are just sociopaths, and they don't have it, – it, it may be a genetic deficiency, uh, truly, but they don't have uh, what's the, the feeling of empathy. They don't have uh, what we say a conscience. They just don't have it. And these yeah, are yeah, I, I just to interject that I see a lot of these cases. It just doesn't seem that these people uh, f- understand on a deep level, or maybe they do. It's on some level, but certainly on the surface, they they don't believe that what they're doing is wrong necessarily. They don't have emotions about it. I think a great example was a guy like 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 Madoff. I mean, he had no remorse. I mean, never never felt bad. In fact, his statements were, "Well, those people deserved it. They 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 were all they were all greedy anyway." And and, and there are there are these these sociopaths. These well, that's frankly that's why I came up with the name financial serial killers. I've mm-hmm. met some of these people or a lot of them along the way, and I was always amazed when I'd actually talk to them how there just was they had no emotions. And then I remember thinking, uh, they're, they're like serial killers. They're, they're like mm-hmm. people who can just walk around and just kill a child or just go kill a friend. And they, don't, and, they, and they can even kill, they can kill family, they can kill random people. There's just like no emotion. They just don't have feelings. That, is a, so great, like, that is a great insight. They're, they're serial killers. But I added the word financial to it. They're financial serial killers. And so in the world of finance, they, they, can, they can look at their – it can be a son who looks at his own mother and says, hey, mom, let me help you manage this money, and then just pocket it and just walk away and then go kiss his mom on the lips the next day and sit there and eat dinner with her. They just, they just don't have the feelings. So um, you know, there's a lot of study of sociopaths and, 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 and psychologists study these kind of people, but – I think that's just basically what it comes down to. I think a lot of them are, are, are like that, Chris. I think they just fall into the category of, of no emotion, no feeling for others. And it's hard for the rest of us to understand that because uh, the vast majority of us have feelings and, and we have conscience and, and, and we know we've done things that are right and that are wrong. And, there, we, and we've got maybe 30 seconds left. And, and there's also psychology of the victim. There's a psychology of the victim of wanting to believe and trust. Um, um, again, I, I have to say it over and over. I, I never blame a victim, but, but a lot of us are, are, are want to trust, and, and we want to believe in, in, in concepts like family. We want to believe in friends. We want to believe that people we go to church or synagogue with are, are honest like we are, and, and um, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't that way. Mm. All right. Well, we're going to have to end it there, Tom. Uh, this is my guest, Tom Adjami, uh, law firm of Adjami LLP, based out of New York City and Houston, Texas. Um, call Tom if you got an investment fraud situation going on, uh, and I'm sure he can help you out. Uh, but join us next week, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another uh, scintillating episode of Fraud Talk. Uh, we'll look forward to you. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you joining me. Thanks, Chris. I enjoyed it. All right, we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Fraud Talk this week. Please join Chris Marquet again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Don't become a victim of fraud. Tune in for another show soon.